Hello, hello. This is Tooth Be Toe. This is Dr. Walter Aka. And I have the pleasure of having Dr. Kyle Dumpert and Dr. Gary Dennis on. Um, I wanted to get both of them here because everything has been going on with the whole coronavirus. I wanted to get two uh, vocal uh, <laughs> dentists that have been through this and, and are kind of on the advocate of let's try to do this right. And that's right why I wanted to bring him on here and just to kind of talk about how dentists are actually responding to this whole coronavirus situation and what what patients need to understand about how we're taking you know precautions not only for ourselves and our par- you know uh, uh, families but also for them. You know, a lot of people think, oh well, you know, dentists, what does it matter? But we actually are on the top of this uh, New York. Uh, what is it? Was it New York Times? New York article? Times. Yeah. Right. That basically said we're literally on the top when it comes to the chances of being exposed. So I wanted to talk to them and bring them on. So we'll start with uh, uh, Dr. Kyle. Uh, tell me exactly how your office has been. I mean, you have your own private practice in a smaller town, but how has it been going with this whole coronavirus situation? It started out pretty good. Um, I mean, being in a smaller town in the center of the state of Pennsylvania, we were we like to think we're insulated from it. Uh, it hit the bigger cities first, Philadelphia, Eastern Pennsylvania, jumped over to Pittsburgh. Um, and we still don't have any confirmed cases within my, just the tests aren't available. So the, the general consensus is it's here. People have symptoms, uh, that are going to the hospital. They're just not doing any testing. But as far as the, the dental practice, uh, been keeping an eye on it. I, I was, waiting for any kind of guidance from the ADA, the AGD, uh, as far as what we should do. And for a long time, we weren't getting any kind of guidance. And it just involved you know, me talking with the local dentists and all of us getting on the same page about what should we be doing. Uh, we all agreed at the same time when we should you know, cancel the hygiene appointments to limit that exposure because that's... Um, kind of elective to a certain to a certain sense at least for a short period of time and then uh, after hygiene got canceled uh, I was primarily just seeing emergencies and what I considered as you know urgent care meaning that this could potentially turn into a problem or an emergency situation within the next couple of weeks or so and uh then it went to, you know, we're not comfortable you know, bringing this many people in. I got a high, you know, 70 plus year old population in my county. And I got real uneasy about bringing those people out into public to come to my office. And it turned into, I'm only going to be open for a couple hours a day, see emergencies until last night, the Department of Health for Pennsylvania uh, posted something on their website saying basically, if you don't have a negative pressure room with uh, uh, HEPA filtration and 35 and 95 masks and uh, you know full infection control gown, face masks, everything, then you're effectively closed for business until we say otherwise. And uh, they did a terrible job of getting that out. To they didn't tell any dentists. It just kind of got passed around on social media. And I actually reached out to the local news organization and they did a story about it on the news today to kind of keep everybody informed. So that's kind of the progression of where we're at now. As, as of right now, my office is completely closed and telling anybody that calls me as an emergency, I'll, I'll talk them through whatever I can on the phone. But if they, if it's an emergency situation, uh, I'm telling them, call the Department of Health to see what is a facility that meets their requirements and where they should go to. Okay. All right. And Dr. Dennis, I want you to tell us what you're seeing because, I mean, Dr. Kyle Dumpert basically said something that I don't think uh, Houston can do, which is all the dentists agree to kind of to the same protocol. Correct? Greetings and salutations. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why you had to come in like that. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> right. Dr. Dennis. I've been holding that in since I came on. I <laughs> ask me the question again. The question is, you know, Dr. D- uh, Dumper basically said that all his uh, dentist friends and colleagues basically came together and agreed 
to one protocol that they would all feel comfortable doing. And I don't see that happening in Houston. I, I mean, I work in Houston. I don't see that happening at all. So I want to get your perspective on when this all began, what you were doing as an endodontist, because, I mean, you, you do see pretty much, you know, patients that are in pain or have an infection. And then what you actually ended up doing with your practice. So, so there's definitely uh, a lack of continuity between uh, dental practitioners in Houston and in Texas in general, uh, especially in Houston. And then, you know, you also think of like, Texas is the wild, wild west. Uh, it is, you know, and on, on any level of like, you can think of economics, healthcare, education, it's very much, you know, you can do it any way you want to do it. You know, that's just the mentality of the state. Uh, now, when I went to work on, uh, Last Monday, a week ago, walked into the office, told, I mean, the Corona thing had already been building up for a week, right? Uh, but on Monday, it like really hit. Uh, I think that's when like the first cases were, um, confirmed in Houston or whatever. Uh, there was no protocol. Uh, there was like nothing, uh, in the, in the DSO setting that I work in, uh, was set, ready to roll. No one, had any idea what to do. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I'm always the first uh, doctor that arrives at my offices because I start earlier than everybody else. So, you know, it was, <laughs> I had to see the patients. So we're doing Dr. Dennis' protocol. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to put my life at risk to a root canal. <laughs> so, okay. Well, what's, what's uh, your, what was your protocol? I mean, since you brought it up. So uh, first thing was, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta have a questionnaire to screen the patients. You know, so it came up with a questionnaire. Uh, had, it started out with just probably like five questions, like, have you traveled to these places? Are you feeling sick? Do you have a cough? Um, questions like that. Um, and that actually helped. We were able to screen some people out, uh, uh, who were feeling sick or recently had a cough or whatever, like, you know, you need to come back in two weeks. We're gonna reschedule you. Uh, especially if you're not in any pain, you don't have any swelling, anything like that, with this reschedule. Uh, some people were upset, but, you know, we explained to them, like, this is the situation that we're in now. You can't risk everybody in the office just to do this procedure. Then, as far as a PPE standpoint, um, it was basically, I always wear a, dis a disposable gown for every treatment I do, uh, but I'm, like, one of the very few people without them in the office that's wearing that, uh, so that was the next uh, level of safety goes implemented. Like everybody needs to wear a, a disposable gown. Uh, the masks, uh, we have no N95 masks. So, uh, it was level three. It's, we need level three or we're not doing treatment. Okay. So uh, what's, what is the uh, N95? And, and Dr. Dump, Dumper, you can always jump in too. So why, so why the, do you need the N95? So the N, uh, I had to, I just learned this. This past week. Good, good. <laughs> so, so you can share. There, there's N, there's P, uh, there's an, another letter. Uh, but that basically, the N stands for, I think it's like non-oil. So those masks are not oil resistant. The P, if it was a P95, then that would mean that it was oil resistant as well as, uh, you know, it's like the next level up, uh, protection. Uh, so that would be like if you're working in, like a hazmat or something yeah. like that. You know, uh, then, then the 95 actually means that it's going to filter out 95% of all the, uh, microbes. I think it's, I don't remember. I think it might have been like greater or equal to 0.4 micrometers, something like that. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Right. Uh, then the next level up is 100, which means that it's 99% filtration. So uh, would would this N95 actually filter out and keep out any kind of virus? So the N95 uh, mask is basically the the set protocol for SARS. So um, they're pretty much equating that the size of this virus is the same size as, or relatively the same size as SARS. So basically putting in all the SARS protocol uh, and applying it to to this virus. To this one, right. Yeah. Okay. And did you notice um, that you were having a hard time, or was it pretty easy to get those N95s? I say, yeah, we have. 
No, in '95. You, yeah. Okay, you know, I, I brought. I mean, I knew the answer, but I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. And and there are no N95s. Doctor Dumper, did you uh, do you have any N95s? No, I, I've never used them. Never tried to buy any regular masks. I surgical masks I bought for my office were level one. I've always used level one. Right. Uh, I started to buy level three when this came out. Not that it really did anything more to protect me right. uh just kind of made everybody feel a little bit better but now i've never even put on an n95 mask right and and i think that's the the problem is you know we don't really we didn't know any of this stuff until this is happening right and then when you finally learned about this and then you go to buy it the problem is we can't get a hold of it at least i know i can't Sorry, gone. it's gone well and then aren't, aren't you supposed to have special training to be able to you know, fit the N95 properly to your face so you're not getting any leakage around the mask. Come on, yeah, that's it. That's it. And and, so I, the, and I know for sure the ADA didn't provide any kind of webinar about it. And, no. and I mean, I, I don't know about and you the, guys, but I haven't seen anything about it yet. And, and, and you have the general population buying these masks that have probably, I mean, they're not taking the classes to get it fit or uh, use them correctly. And there's, there are different levels of N95 also. You know, the ear loop or the tie. Uh, and then there's also, there's a, it's more like a dome shape. I think the dome is actually the one that, uh, we're supposed to be using. Mm. Uh, cause that one I think has the best seal on it. Okay. Compared to like, you know, like the level one, level two, level three mask where just the ear loop, like the sides. Right. I mean, there's no, there was no protocol, no nothing. Uh, so we're, we're in there doing level threes. And then just making sure everything is getting like double wiped down. Uh, even the, the front desk counter after each patient was signing in, I told them they need to wipe down the counter with a Clorox wipe. They need to wipe down all the sign pins. After that, it was basically call all the patients for the next day, not just my patients, everybody's patients and, and ask them that questionnaire so we could screen out those patients before they even get there. How many patients do you have coming through your office every day? Uh, on a normal on a normal day. For me, I only I only see I'm, I'm not seeing more than probably ten patients a day. But okay. but in the office, you know, there's two hygienists. There's three two other general dentists. Yeah, there's three. Or four doctors. What office I'm in, yeah. There might be pedo. There might be ortho. Okay. Uh, so it's a lot of people in there. Can I can I just say oh. something real quick? And this is this hasn't been bothering me for a very long time since this whole situation. It's there are still doctors out there that are literally doing the same exact thing that they were doing before this whole coronavirus situation hit. Meaning that hygiene is still going full. You, you got kids coming in for ortho. You got people coming in for pedo and all this other stuff. Like nothing has changed. I mean, so at the time when there were no mandates, there was no instruction, but you knew that something was going on, you know, I, I mean, I can't fault them for still treating the patients, but once a mandate came in, you know, it's like, hey, only only emergency cases. Then at that point, that's when you need to. Well, when when did the man, when did the mandate come in? Well, it depends on what state. Well, okay, for Trump, Texas, Texas. <laughs> for Texas. Well, that, and that's something I struggle with uh, because the ADA came out with recommendations; they didn't come out with mandates. Thank you, um, and that's the problem. And oh, that made it confusing for us. But the thing is, like the ADA, even though they like to call it a governing body, it's really not a governing body. It is a, right. a membership organization. You know, the governing body in your state is that state's dental board. So they're the only ones that can mandate anything for your license. I mean, unless it's governor or right. president, something like that. Well, so, so I know in Texas, they came out, I want to say last week, with a recommendation from the, the dental board, right? The, the dental board's initial recommendation yes. that was uh, distributed to dentists by the Texas Dental Association right. said, we have not mandated the closure of any offices. That's it. Exactly. One sentence. And, right. But then that's no what I'm saying. So, that's it. But, so here's the question, though, is if you know that this virus is respiratory, and that it, it's something that could, you know, literally infect anybody and people can walk around without it. Why would you need somebody to mandate that you close your office for you to take this seriously? That's the part that still confuses me about, above all. It's well, the economics. 
Okay, well, it's, speak on that. It's, it's, uh, I'm a small business owner. I'm, I'm responsible for, yes, the health and safety of the patients uh, of my staff. I'm also the one that's in, responsible for providing, you know, a living for them. And something I struggled with was, uh, and why I reached out to the other dentists and the orthodontist, the endodontist in my area was, Hey, we need, all need to be on the same page with this. If one office closes down, uh, because, you know, they don't want to get any spread, help spread the infection. Uh, but all the other offices stay open. It's only going to hurt that one office that closed and it's going to hurt them financially because patients are going to go to the other offices. It's, it's going to continue to spread. If we all get on the same page and we all say, okay, today, you know, things are starting to creep into our area. It's time to shut down. We're all on the same page. Then uh, you're, we're all on the same playing field and it's not confusing to the patients in our area as well. Dr. Dumpert's closed, but you know, Dr. X is, you know, still open seeing patients. Uh, so that, that was something we struggled with for a long time, but being in a small community, we were all able to get on the same page in that regard. Okay. And, and Dr. Dennis, like, what are, what's your experience when it comes to this whole closure of the office? And I mean, what Dr. Dumper said is very true, right? We all have, we're, I mean, we're literally trying to figure out how we're going to pay assistance and, and where they're going to get a job, but they're just going to sit around and wait on us, you know? I, I, I agree with Dr. Dumper. I mean, it's, it's definitely a, uh, if you have equity or ownership in an office, then yeah, there's a lot of economics involved. Um, my situation is a little different. I have zero equity in the offices that I work in. So for me, it, it was, it was, it's not an issue. Like it's, if my, if they're, the PPE is not appropriate to keep me safe and keep the patient safe, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do any treatment. Uh, I mean, I just thank God I'm in a situation where I can afford to take, you know, a month or two off, mm-hmm. but I, a lot of people can't can't do that. Okay, um, Doctor Dumper, I yeah. want to ask you to expand on this. Um, so you basically are now thinking, how am I going to pay for my front office, my assistant, my hygienist, and everything while this is going down? Have you looked into some of the um, the government uh, uh, subsidies and all this stuff that's coming out? Because there's a lot of information coming out right now. So, so what I've seen so far are I would I am mandated under the new laws that if one of my employees got sick with the virus, I, I'm required to pay them, you know, two or three weeks of paid sick leave. If they're taking care of somebody in their family that got sick, I'm also mandated to pay them for uh, paid time off. Or with all the schools being closed, uh, if they have to stay home and take care of their kids, I'm required to pay that um uh, you know, a certain amount of their pay for a certain period of time. Uh, other than that, there, I am not required to pay them anything. Uh, so whenever I made the decision to shut down hygiene and tell the hygienist, look, uh, I'll let you know when we can bring you back on. I said, apply for unemployment. Uh, I, as a owner, I have to. Yes, I, I like to look out for the employees, but the number one thing is I got to keep the business viable because if the business goes under declares bankruptcy, then nobody's going to have a job. So my stance is if you're not working, I'm not paying you unless you fall into one of those categories where legally I have to pay you. And I'm relying on the government's expanded unemployment definitions uh, to help get them through that time of need. And uh, I've, I've always been, uh, a very frugal person. So I've, you know, I've always kept a large emergency fund in both my personal and my business bank account. So I'm at this point, I can take a few months off. It's not uh, going to bankrupt me, but uh, I do worry about the employees because a lot of people in this country are living paycheck to paycheck. And I'm really hoping that uh, that unemployment comes through. And the other thought that runs through your mind is uh, at least are, are, are my employees going to look for work elsewhere? Are they going to, you know, if they can't find a job or if unemployment doesn't get them through, are they going to go look for a job somewhere else? And when I'm, it's time for me to reopen, 
am I going to have the same crew or am I going to have to bring on new people, retrain and go through that whole process? So that's my biggest concern right now. Okay. Let's switch topics and talk about what I feel like a lot of people are saying. They're confused by the American Dental Association, their local dental organization, basically now mandated and say that you have to see emergency patients. But no one really knows what an emergency patient really is. You know, Dr. Dennis, I want you to kind of explain to us, like, what your interpretation of an emergency or essential, uh, whatever the word was used, uh, patient is. Well, first of all, I'd like to uh, restate that the ADA, your state dental or or association, they're not governing bodies. Right. You know, anything they say is not a mandate. It is just uh, a plea or a suggestion. They have no control over your dental license. Mm-hmm. The only people that control have control of your dental license is the state board of your state. It's your state dental board. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the ADA recommendations don't mean anything to me. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I know what a dental emergency is. I don't need I don't need the ADA to tell me what it is because I went to dental school. I learned that a second year dental school. Okay, so what's a Everybody dental? What's else. in a dental emergency? What's a true yeah, dental? I know emergency? what a dental emergency is. So. Uh, for, I mean, what's my definition of a dental yeah, emergency? Yeah, what's a true dental emergency to you? Well, you know, I'm going to break it down just to endodontics because I don't yeah, like... Yeah, just speak on what you know. It's oral surgery. I'm not doing oral surgery, you know. Right. So it's going to be uh, swelling. It's going to be uh, uncontrolled bleeding, which isn't going to happen in endodontics unless you, like, did a surgery and didn't do proper uh, post-operative care. Uh, like patients on warfarin, and that's a situation you created. Right. So that's not even that should never happen. Right. Um, and then uh, our extreme pain from irreversible pulpitis. Okay, that's it. And what about and, you, Dr. Dump- Dumpert? What's your definition of a a true dental emergency? I, I agree. True, true dental. Uh, a true dental emergency is something that is life threatening. Uh, swelling, closing off the airways, uh, uncontrollable bleeding, and you know, pain, but, you know, uncontrollable bleeding, swelling of the airway. I'm not seeing those people anyway. They're going to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so so it, <laughs> for, for the ADA to say to, or to recommend seeing only true emergencies, the vast majority of dentists out there aren't going to be seeing those patients. We're going to be sending that to the emergency room for IV antibiotics or, you know, to have blood work drawn to figure out why they're can't stop bleeding or, or something along those lines. Well, so then the argument is, why are dental offices open if true emergencies we don't really even see anyway? 99% of dental uh, treatments or emergencies, and I put that in quotation, are non, not really true dental emergencies. So why do you think people are still staying open? And again, if, the, if, if, if it is because of finance or, or econ- economics or whatever it may be, do you think that they're actually doing a disservice to not only the dental field, but also to their patients? I'll start with uh, Dr. Dennis. All right. So um, to answer that question, when well, after Governor Abbott made his mandate about only treating dental emergencies in the state of Texas, the TDA sent out another uh, flyer, if you will, about what dental emergencies were. And then later on the day, and then that day, they sent another one out. To clarify that one, uh, so and on that one, it basically stated the things that we have said, but then added some like pericornitis and other other things or whatever. But at the bottom of that flyer, it says, in not so many words, "You are the dentist." So it comes up to your decision on what you want to do. <laughs> some okay. people want to do some, uh, some stuff. Some people <laughs> don't want to do some stuff. Okay. All right. So, well, uh, well, we're gonna. It's very tech. That's a very Texas, right? Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna okay we're gonna uh, judge on this because I mean it's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. I'm very judgmental. I don't (laughs) care. Uh, Do you think that the ADA, the 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 Texas Dental Board, or any kind of state dental board should leave that up to the dentist to make that decision? I understand we're in a democracy. Throw all that out the window. Do you really believe that it's a good idea for these dental offices to be open? And this is just your opinion to be open because the excuse they're using is, well, you know, what we're trying to do is prevent these patients from going to 
um, the emergency room, right? And my argument, my counter argument is most dental procedure, uh, most dental emergencies, and I put that in quotation again, could be resolved with either antibiotics or at least sustained with antibiotics or pain medication until you're able to see them. So again, I ask, do you think that the, the dental or the state board should have said, you know what, we're not leaving it up to the dentist. Let's just make this decision for them and move on. I'm going to let Dumpert uh, go first on this one. Since I- uh, so that that's what happened in Pennsylvania last night. Oh. The, you know, the Department of Health came out, posted a, uh, a decree that said, if you don't have these, meet these stringent guidelines, you're closed for business until further notice. So that I, and to be honest with you, I, I agree. If they're trying to stop the spread of this virus, we're the ones that are, you know, highest at risk. We're working in people's mouths. We're creating aerosols. Uh, we're potentially the able to spread this more than any other profession. Um, so I, I don't disagree with them coming out and saying, shut everything down. Uh, unless it's a true emergency, which in that case, you know, we're punting off to the ER anyway. What I had a problem with is they did it and didn't let anybody know about it. They didn't talk to any of the, the dentists. They didn't talk to any of the dental organizations to try and, um, get that information out. They, they kind of just came out and said, this is it. And, uh, that makes it hard for us as dentists to say, when patients are calling me, I had several call me this morning. I, I need to come in and see you. And I'm saying, sorry, it's out of my hands. Call the Department of Health. Um, cause I, I'm not, the government's telling me I can't see you. And, uh, so yes, I, I think it's a good idea for them to completely shut everything down, but they're going to have to realize from a patient's perspective, if there's uh, a patient's idea of emergency is much different than our idea of emergency. If somebody chips a front tooth and, you know, they work in TV, it's an emergency to them. They need to get their tooth fixed for, so they can appear on TV. Uh, so it's, if you're the one sitting there in pain with irrever- irreversible pulpitis and you go to the emergency room, they give you an antibiotic and a, a painkiller that's probably not going to do a whole lot to touch it. Uh, that's an emergency in your eyes. That's keeping you awake at night. That's life changing pain until it gets fixed. And the, the ER isn't equipped to address that. All right, Dr. Dennis, the question is, do you think that the state uh, board, the dental board should have just kind of done what I guess Pennsylvania did, which is basically saying, Hey, we're shutting this down unless you meet these very strict guidelines. Um, Don't leave it up to the dentist is basically what I'm saying. I'm, I, I mean, I, I, I do think that the dentist should have the right to, you know, to decide what they want to do. But the problem with that is that not everybody does the right thing. Elaborate. Uh, uh, so, you know. Give us an example without telling, saying people's the, names. The, the governor, uh, in his mandate said all medical and, and dental we're going to, you know, he said all medical, mm-hmm. but then, oh yeah, he meant dental too. And there was an argument of like, well, does he mean dental or just medical? I'm like, come on, it, clearly. Right. It's all here, right? So, uh, emergencies only. And, uh, in the mandate, he has placed, uh, a thousand dollar fine per incident where you're not following the mandate and up to 180 days in jail. Then the TDA, Posted their whatever version of that, but they completely left out <laughs> that there's a thousand dollar fine and 180 days in jail. So, you know, there's, there's not continuity. So if there's not continuity, then it really is left up to you, the provider. I mean, again, it's your license. It's not anybody else's license. So, you know, it's up to you as far as what you want to do. You can either do the right thing and Limit, try to limit the exposure to yourself, to your patients, uh, or you can try to make a lot of money, you know, because, you know, everybody else's office is closed. Uh, but I, I, I hope, I mean, I, I, it, it's not the case. I wish everybody would just do the right thing, but, you know, it's not a situation. So I understand why in Pennsylvania, they, you know, basically took, took over 
and basically the dentist's right to choose who they want to treat, more or less. And so just just to add to this, the the problem I had when I closed my office, uh, I'm driving through town, small town. This is after Governor Wolf came out and said, these are the essential businesses, life essential businesses that can stay open. These are the non-essential businesses. Uh, that was supposed to take effect Friday at the end of the day or something, uh, that non-essential businesses have to close their doors. And then all these people started sending in requests saying, well, my business you have listed as non-essential. We think it's essential. For instance, uh, somebody that cleans fish tanks. We're now considered essential because if we're not in there cleaning fish tanks, the fish are going to die because the water gets dirty. So we're an essential life business. Or, you know, I'm driving through town and the gourmet popcorn store is open because they sell food. That food is an essential business. Uh, you drive by the chiropractor. That's an essential business because it's healthcare. Uh, they put little, you know, qualifiers on it where, again, they, they said the same thing. Uh, do not do, uh, elective treatments, only emergencies. But UPMC Hospital, from what I heard, was still doing what amounts to elective surgeries, getting knee replacements, hip replacements. That, that's not life essential at this point. That's still UPMC trying to make a buck while they can. Uh, so what I would think is the, the best thing to do, because human nature, we're all going to look out for number one, ourselves. Uh, we're going to do what's best for ourselves in our own individual situation. I think it takes coming, you know, a, a nationwide shutdown and saying everybody stay in place for two to three weeks, whatever time that needs to be for this virus to run its course in the people that have it and not get spread to the other people that don't. And then we can return to business as usual. But having these little areas around the country, man, put in their two cents where uh, we're going to shut down. But then, you know, the next town over isn't shutting down. Things are going to continue to spread and it's going to, you know, lengthen this thing out into months and months instead of a couple weeks. Uh, question for both of you guys. Do you think that dentists are taking this whole virus thing seriously? Or at least serious enough? Uh, you want me to go first? Yeah, or? it doesn't matter who goes first. Yeah. I mean, I, I, at first, I don't think they were. Because I know <laughs> in my offices, uh, the offices I go to, they think that I'm like way over the top. They're like, oh, you have all these protocols, these procedures, just, just regularly. You know, right. Uh, when I was working uh, last week, you know, a lot of this stuff is, that, it was, that I was telling them to do is the stuff I already do anyway. Right. You know, because I'm I'm a very universal precautionist type of person. Um. So I mean, I had one of the 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 uh, general dentists come and say like, "Hey, I used to think you were crazy with all your rules and regulations, but oh my god, you're right. We should be running like this the whole time." I'm, that's I'm kind like, of scary yeah. to hear that, man. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's kind of scary to hear that. You know, I'm like, you're getting it now. <laughs> now you're getting it. Wow. You know, so I don't think they were getting it before. Uh, but when, when patients start coming in the office coughing, uh, and they know there's a, there's a, a aerosol virus right. <laughs> running rampant in the world, uh, you're good. It's gonna scare you a little bit, you know? And then, and then when they start, uh, putting down the mandates, uh, I think there's, I think a lot of people are starting to, uh, especially dentists are starting to, uh, figure it out a little bit more. Like, hey, this is, this is something serious. You know, uh, that chart where we're the number or highest incident to, uh, be infected is, is, is real. I, uh, so something I was, I've been thinking about was with the AIDS epidemic that happened, you know, Dennis started wearing gloves and that's where the whole universal precautions came from. Right. Uh, moving forward in dentistry when we get past all this, because apparently our universal precautions mean nothing to coronavirus because, you know, N95 mask isn't our universal precautions. Right. Uh, where is dentistry going to go from this? If our current universal precautions aren't protecting us, that's true. That's a very good question. I, I mean, I think that it's going to end up being 
the the N95 mask is going to be standard, and there's probably going to be N100 or N99, <laughs> right. you know, mask, and then uh, disposable gowns, like you know. What bothers me though is why aren't people already wearing disposable gowns? Like I get it, if you're know. talking to a patient, you you don't need any gowns for that. You really don't. I've, I mean, I've never worked on a patient without uh, one. Yeah, since dental school. Without a disposable gown. Right, Dr. Dumper, talk, talk about that, man. Like, the whole protocol... I, I, ha- I haven't worn a disposable gown since dental school. <laughs> 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 so, I'm at the other end. I, I'm very hot-blooded. I sweat a lot, right. especially if I'm getting into a, a tough situation. Right. I wear scrubs. I take them off at the office. They stay at the office, but... Okay. Um, I I what about I don't for, like, what about for I, some I of never those... like disposable gowns. I know I mean, you, I, but no, hold on. I know Doctor Dumper, and he does a lot. You do extractions and you know thirds and all this other stuff. So so what about all that the, the spraying? I mean, you got blood coming. Like, do you not like feel some kind of way? You know, having that on I your don't, your scrubs. I don't. I don't okay. worry about it. Okay. Uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, I I know that's part of the universal precautions, right. but. Um, you know, I, I, I do get a little grossed out when I see, you know, dentists walking around the grocery store with their scrubs still on yes. that, that, that does give me a nick factor. But if I'm in the office and I'm leaving my scrubs at the office, I, I, um, it's just all of the offices I've worked at since I graduated, they didn't have the, the disposable gown and I, that's something I should do. And I, I admit I, I don't do it right. just because I, I, I'm not comfortable while I'm in one. Okay. And well, that's let's, a bad excuse. That's a bad excuse. No, no, no. Let's throw this back at you then. You just said that the universal precautions are going to change. Do you think that now this is going to change your uh, mindset when it comes to uh, wearing gowns and, and PPEs and all this stuff after this is over? No. Um, <laughs> I don't <laughs> because I, I'm not worried about the virus being on my clothes. Okay. This virus, I'm worried about the aerosols that are created that some reports are staying, stay air, can stay airborne for three, what, three hours or right. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the six foot distance, you got to stay away from people. So you're not getting that. We're all working, you know, six, eight, 10 inches away from somebody's mouth, drilling high speed hand plates piece creating those aerosols me wearing a gown isn't going to do anything to keep that those particles from getting in my eyes my nose my mouth unless i'm wearing full headgear walking into the operatory like scuba steve with an oxygen tank <laughs> on my back i'm getting one. <laughs> <laughs> so i i don't know if i i can't see just because of the expense involved uh, if they're going to force dental offices to go to that whole negative pressure HEPA filtration thing to, so you're clearing out anything, any particles that are in the air, uh, that, that's, I, I don't know what dentistry is going to look like moving forward from this. Okay. Well, let's then, now we have to talk about expenses, right? Because I, I think that people are going to have to change the way they practice dentistry. Um, just like you said, back in the day when the AIDS virus hit, everybody started wearing gloves. I mean, I, I remember in dental school, we'd watch videos when dentists would just put their hands in the patient's mouth to adjust dentures and stuff like that, you know, and no one could even think about doing that now. Um, and so I, I honestly think things are going to change. Do you think that if they don't change, that's going to leave people uh, kind of open to lawsuits? And do you think if somebody doesn't close their office and let's just say a patient goes in and comes out and they're like, oh, well, of course, I got this virus from this office. Do you think that they have any uh, ground to stand on when it comes to suing dentists? That already happens now. Oh, talk about it. That's happening before this. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, what was that? Like um, Nova? Nova had a case where uh, somebody, I don't remember what it was, but somebody caught something from... uh, Treatment in the in the dental school, and they had they got sued. Well, they um, can prove that though. It was from the dental school. Can they? How can they prove that this they got this virus from the dental office? Well, they, they have the DNA testing with it. They have they can track all of that stuff down. Uh, wait a minute. Explain that. Go ahead. Go more details. I don't. I didn't even hear about this. So if you if you isolate the strain uh, and track where that patient came through and say. Uh, say my autoclave or my statum wasn't, you know, sterilizing properly. Uh, they can 
you know, whatever bug that person has through genome sequencing or DNA testing or whatever, uh, they can test that person. They can follow that trail where that person was, come in and swab the office and, uh, you know, they, they can find that exact bacteria or whatever is causing the sickness and track it back to you. Okay. I didn't know that it got that deep. Wow. Okay. And what about if a patient, if, if, um, I'm sorry, if one of the dental providers gets tested and is tested positive for COVID-19, do you think that they should tell their office, you know, their patients that they treated prior? Or, and if you know anybody that's actually had the situation, let's, let's talk about that. I know what the right thing is. The right thing is, yes, you got to tell your patients and everybody else. But do you really think that that's happening? Because I've heard of stories where people aren't saying anything. Like the dental school in Florida, the student actually was told by uh, the the higher-ups not to say anything. So every uh, state has a jurisprudence portion of their licensure. Yes. Which most times you have to renew every now and then as well. Right. Uh, I can't speak for other states, but I know in the in the state of Texas, if there is an incident where a patient has to be sent to the hospital, you have to report that to the board within 30 days so they can investigate. What about uh, the so provider getting positive? It's the same positive. thing. It's, this is the reverse. Okay. If the provider has to go to the hospital for something like this, then it should definitely be reported to the office, to the board to the patients, so everybody can get tested. And do you if you're know, not doing that, you're just contributing to the problem of spreading. Right, but have you heard but, any situation where somebody's come up positive and has not reported or has been told to just keep quiet? I, I have not. Okay. Kyle, have you I, heard I, anything? I, did, I have not. No one has said I have not been uh, exposed, and I have not <laughs> had any patient that I know that was exposed. No, no, no. I'm talking Maybe. about, like, have you I heard know. stories? That's my answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Kyle, have you heard any I, stories? I, just the one that you mentioned, the the Florida student, uh, dental student. Right. I, I did hear about that one, but uh, I think the biggest problem with this virus is you don't know if you have it. Uh, if fun. you don't have any symptoms, right. you can be, you know, shedding the virus for two weeks and have been none the wiser for it. Uh, and the bigger problem is... If I wanted, if I thought I had the virus right now and I wanted to get tested, there are no tests available in my, you know, in my area. Right. Unless you have severe symptoms, um, and you meet a certain criteria, then you're not going to get a test because it's just not available. And at that point, you, you know, maybe you have a cold. Are you going to self isolate for a cold for two weeks? Right. Are you going to, uh, you know, there's a lot of colds going around. There's flu going around. There's all kind of other things that, you know, overlaps with this virus that you you don't know what you have. And if you can't get a test to prove it, uh, again, that's coming down to, you know, how long are you going to shut your doors for? What? Okay, well, well I, go ahead, Dr. Dennis. I do have a, uh, a friend that practices in Canada <clears throat> who uh, may have been exposed. Okay. There's no testing done. They don't know. Right. Uh, but, but she, um, so I think she was instructed by the, she informed the, whatever their governing body is or right. whatever. And, uh, they instructed her to self quarantine for, uh, 14 days. There are people out there that are doing the right thing. Right. And I do see that on the news. I mean, I see more and more news anchors on national news. They, they flew somewhere. Uh, they were potentially exposed to somebody. Okay, we're going to work from home for two weeks. So it, it is happening in other industries, but I mean, those people are employed by somebody else. They're still getting paid. Right. They don't have a whole whole team relying on them. That's it. Uh, a single single dentist office. If the dentist isn't coming into work, nobody's coming into work. So does that? Do you think that puts a lot more pressure for the dentist to just kind of say, you know what? No matter what, I gotta I gotta kind of you know go through this whole process. And maybe, well, how many, maybe not self How many single dentists will take sick leave? Like they, they, right. they hunker down. They, they work through it because, you know, if they don't work, nobody's working. And that's what you do as a business owner. Right. I've taken, uh, a, a day off for being sick 
ever. Right. So there you go. And that's the, I think that's the biggest problem with, I mean, the, the, the positive and the negative, the blessing and, and the curse of being a small own, you know, small business owner is most of the bosses cannot take days off, even when you're not feeling well. But this is the time where I honestly feel like you, you have no choice, but you also have to think about the other people that kind of work for you. Right. So I feel like this is kind of like a, a circle that's just going to continue to happen. Until somebody literally says you are not allowed to go in, take it and out of the hand of the dentist. This is a different situation. No, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm just saying that like that. This is this basically proves that I you know I, to me taking it out of the dentist's hands kind of eliminates that you know iffy situation where they're like I'm still going to try to you know muster through. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I mean that's that's I mean that's probably what the CDC or health department or, you know, that's probably what they were figuring too. Why they, and why they in, or implemented the mandates that they implemented. Right. Well, let's wrap it up by just kind of getting your, your feedback and kind of, uh, you know, anything that you want to tell our listeners about what you're going through or what you know about the coronavirus and, you know, what do you think the future of dentistry looks like after this is all said and done? We'll start with Dr. Uh, Dumpert. Uh, I think economically, I think this is a big wake up for the country that uh, you should always plan for the unexpected. You should have those emergency funds set up, you know, three to six months of personal expenses. If you're a business owner, same thing. You should have three to six months of, you know, expenses set away that if a situ situation like this happens, uh, that you, know, you can weather the storm. Unlike, you know, the airline industry that have posted record profits year after year and they somehow don't have two cents to rub together all of a sudden <laughs> and are looking for bailouts. Right. Uh, it's, I think that's a big lesson to learn is get your personal finances in order and get that, try to get those emergency funds set up. But as far as the future of dentistry, um, I, I, I don't know what kind of changes are going to get, going to be made. Um, I don't know what the answers are, and I, I'm, you know, scared and excited at the same time. Knowing, going to see, you know, how everything develops. And do you think that more graduates that are coming out are going to be afraid to be a small business owner, be their own dental uh, boss in a way? Yes, just because of the debt they're coming out with. But I think they need to understand also that being your own boss, instead of making twenty-five or thirty or thirty-five percent of whatever you're doing. If you own your own business, getting 100% of that, uh, you're also getting the, re the added responsibilities. But uh, if you're coming out with four or five, six hundred thousand in debt, I, I really think the only path to financial freedom is becoming your own boss, becoming, you know, the owner of your own business. And, you know, you don't, you don't become wealthy by working for other people. You become wealthy by, working for yourself or having people work for you. Uh, so I, I do see private practice ownership going down, but it's just out of fear. I, I think once they understand that the only way to get out of debt is to become your own boss, that's uh, really the best path moving forward. Okay. And Dr. Dennis, what do you think about the future dentistry and where this is all going now after the coronavirus? Well, um, you know, I grew up in Washington, D.C., and NIH uh, is in Bethesda. It was a 15-minute drive from my front door. Uh, so I've always been a person that's going to over-prepare for everything. And um, this situation has let me know that even if you're over-preparing, you probably still are not prepared enough. <laughs> okay. That's true. Uh, you know, so... Uh, I mean, I think healthcare, healthcare, and not just dentistry, but healthcare all over, total, is going to change after this tremendously. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, but we're also here for the ride. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah. as far as the new graduates, um, I don't think not. So I was speaking to uh, my father about this uh, a couple of days ago. 
Uh, he's a physician. He made the statement that uh, the current situation is they're sending lambs to the slaughter. Mm. He was talking about us. He was talking about the current positions. He says, none of us have seen anything like this, and we're not prepared. And after this, there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to be in healthcare anymore. Mm. Wow. Huh. I mean, for I mean, for so long, I've always thought that dentistry was an excellent profession to be in. I mean, I truly enjoy what I do. Uh, it, it, it saddens me to think that a little bit of just common sense and, and just not being selfish could eliminate a lot of our problems. But I feel like, you know, in the end, I guess money talks louder than than uh, common sense. <laughs> right? uh, yeah. It sucks, man. It really does. But I wanted to bring you both of you guys on because I know you guys, you know, would be completely honest about this whole situation and kind of educate our listeners. Uh, I know I haven't done this in a long time with the podcast, but yeah, I mean, I wanted to bring you two on just to kind of get an idea of what was going on, what the climate looks like. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to try to talk to somebody that's, you know, in a position like in uh, Seattle or Cali or New York and see how they're they're doing. You know, because I think this is just crazy. I really do. I think this is crazy. And, and like you said, Dr. Dennis, we, we're not prepared. We're not prepared at all. And you can see that yeah. now because people, the way people are reacting to this situation, you know what I mean? Instead of being proactive. Well, on, a, uh, yeah. on a positive note. My man, please, um, end us off well. <laughs> I, yeah, let, let's end on a positive note. Yeah. I, uh, I, I do think we're, we're all going to get through this. We're going to learn a lot of lessons from it, and we're going to get stronger because of it. Um, I mean, I, I was reading articles about, you know, the, the southern states, you know, they get hit by hurricanes and their, you know, their practice gets wiped out. They rebuild in four months. They're back to normal. That isn't quite like that. Um, there, there are differences between those, uh, that scenario and our current one. But, you know, we're, I, I feel like American people and, you know, a lot of the world are resilient. We're smart people. We'll, we'll get through this. We'll figure out what uh what needs to change to keep everybody safe and it's just another one of those you know trial and error things we're going to learn from it and we're all going to be better because of it and it's just going to take a you know some time to to recoup and move forward from it yeah and i don't know about you guys i don't know about you guys but i feel like i'm i've become a lot healthier Right, I mean, I'm I'm running more than I've ever ri- ran in my life. I've <laughs> I'm getting challenged to do weird push-ups and sit-ups, Doctor Dennis. Uh, <laughs> I want to learn. <laughs> you know, what I mean? so so in the end, I hope that we all uh, the, the the obesity crisis ends with with this as well. If you want to look, at <laughs> you got to look at the positive. Tell you what, guys. My back has never felt better from uh, yes. not sitting over a dental chair for a couple yes. of days. You know, any chronic issue that you may have (laughs) might be resolved (laughs) because you gave your body enough time to just heal. You know, I love it. I love it. But anyway, thank you guys for ending this on on a positive note. But we will talk soon. I appreciate both of you guys very much. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.